Okay, guys, um, have you um, have you seen the new ESPN commercial? Uh, I think it's I think it's their latest. It's a spoof. Um, it's and, and I think it's a spoof on American Idol. Um, if you've seen it, it's real. It's really kind of cute. Uh, and they, I forget the names of the broadcasters who do this, but I'm just going to make up the names. Um, um, what what they say is this. Um, we're trying to engage our audience in altogether new ways. And so, if you want Trey Wingo to give you the sports report tonight, press 4744. And if you want Stuart Scott to give you the news report tonight, press 4745. And um, if you would like to see the roller skating cockatoo dunk the basketball... Press 4746. And then he comes back in and he says, we're, we're looking for new ways to engage our audience um, more intimately. And then, of course, the closing scene is the roller skating cockatoo uh, dunking the basketball. Indicating, of course, that the audience's choice was the roller skating cockatoo dunking the basketball. But they're, they're, they're looking for new ways to engage with their audience. That's the point. So am I. <laughs> I, I. Particularly over this doctrine of justification by faith alone. Guys, um, there is nothing more important than that you be clear over the doctrine of justification by faith alone. It is the gospel. I told you last week that it's, it's under such attack. And, and um, uh, there is nothing that you need to know you know, um, back in World War II, they used to say uh, that they would teach those guys that they should be able to take their guns apart and put them back together uh, in the dark. They knew them so well. Because, you know, you don't want to be in a foxhole with a jammed M16 or whatever. Um, I want you to know the doctrine of justification by faith that well. You're going to need to know it that well for a lot of reasons, and we'll close with that. But, but so in... in you know, I'd said to you last week that Paul t- talks to the Corinthians. He says, I have a jealousy for you. Well, I have a jealousy for you. And my jealousy is that you know and understand this doctrine of justification by faith. And so I'm looking for new ways to engage you so that you might get it. That it might somehow break through the beauties of this. We're, we're in a little four-part series the four Sundays before Easter, then there's uh, uh, Palm Sunday and then Easter. We'll do this next week and it's done. But, but my, my burden is that you know this like the back of your hand. And so I'm going to do something different this morning. I've never done this before. I... I, I just to start out, I want you to notice. No notes. Look, Ma, no hands. I've never done this, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, you know that if my wife knew this, she would be very nervous. Because she knows that when I get off my notes, that's when I'm the most dangerous. But she's not here this morning. <laughs> um, she's in D.C. taking care of the uh, the grandkids. And so... We're not going to tell her. We're not going to tell her what we're doing. Okay? So, um, 
what I'm going to do, what I want to do with you this morning is that I want to walk through a passage with you. I hope you brought your Bibles. Um, if you don't have a Bible, if you didn't bring one, there might be one, particularly in the back rows in the pew that you can borrow. Or if not, uh, maybe some nice person sitting close to you will share their Bibles with you. But we're, we're going to walk through a passage together. And what I want you to do is play like you're a commentarian. You know what a commentarian is? A commentarian is somebody who writes common, uh, commentaries. Um, you know what a commentary is? A commentary is a book where somebody tries to figure out what the Bible says and means and then writes it in a book and then people like me buy them. I have a, I have a room full of them in my office. And so we use those commentaries to prepare us for Bible studies. What I want you to do is that I want you to play that role. I want you to, I want you to interpret a passage with me this morning. I wish that we could really be interactive. That is, you know, taking responses from the audience. But I, I, I think that's probably a little over the top and that would probably get chaotic. So we're not going to do that. But what I want to do is walk through a passage with you. I hope it'll help you study your Bibles in the future. But first of all, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to know that this passage, Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, is an illustration of the doctrine of justification by faith. Now, one of the things that the Holy Spirit intended was that this passage illustrate the doctrine of justification by faith. There's more things that he intended, I'm sure. But one of the things that he intended with this passage is to give you an illustration, to give you a scene, to give you a portrait, to give you something to which you might relate and understand and grasp so that you might know the great doctrine of justification by faith alone. It's the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. That, That doctrine is the gospel. Those are interchangeable words. And so you get an illustration of that in Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Okay? Now, I'm about to read it to you. And then we're going to go back and we're going to walk through it. We're going to work through a passage together. And um, while I'm reading it, see if you can't spot this message of justification by faith contained in this passage. Are you ready? It's in the book of Zechariah. That's hard to find, um, but it's real close to the New Testament. So get to the first part of the New Testament and then go left just a little, and there you'll find the book of Zechariah. Are you ready? Here we go. Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. 
And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with the, with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. All right, guys, you got your Bibles? Let's start with verse one. This is how you work through a passage. Let's start with the verse one and, 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 uh, we'll start with these opening words. Then he showed me. Now, guys, you know what a pronoun is and you know what an antecedent of a pronoun is, don't you? You know what antecedents to pronouns are? Pronouns are impersonal nouns that refer back to something beforehand. He showed me. Now, very easily, who is the me? Right. It's Zechariah. He showed me. Zechariah is the me. Now, who's the he? The he that showed Zechariah. Well, that's a little bit tougher, but it's defined. He's identified for you in chapter two, verse one. And I lifted up my eyes and saw and behold a man with a measuring line in his hand. Okay. This guy who's got this measuring line in his hand comes to Zechariah and gives him some kind of visionary experience. That's what's going on here. It's, um, it's somewhat akin to, um, oh, uh, the angel of Christmas past, uh, showing Scrooge Christmas at the Craddock home. It's, it's a, it's a man with a measuring rod taking Zechariah and giving him this visionary experience. Are you with me? Still? <clears throat> now, uh, we, we got the first four words down. This man showed me this. In verse 1, you will find that there are three people, we'll call them people, there are three personages or characters in verse 1. Do you see them? Who are they? Well, first, there's Joshua. Now, now who is that? Well, um, now this is not the, the Joshua that we sing about. You know, um, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jer- that's not the right Joshua. In fact, that Joshua lived about a thousand years before this. This is another Joshua. And notice the text tells you it is Joshua, the high priest. Now, who's that? Who's the high priest? Well, I mean, the high priest is the, uh, he's the big kahuna. He's the top dog. He is the, um, he is the, he is the apex of the religious world. He is the Billy Graham of Israel. He is the, he's the dude. When it comes to religion, the Joshua, the high priest. Now, also in that verse one, look at it. There's somebody else mentioned there, and it is the angel of the Lord. Now, who is that? Well, guys, uh, most everyone will tell you. In fact, that little image, that little phrase, the angel of the Lord, it appears frequently in the Old Testament. Frequently, probably 30, 40, 50 times. And when you find the angel of the Lord, you're normally talking about something that is called a Christophany. Ever heard that word? It means that it's a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. Okay? That is, before Jesus was born, he shows up about 30 or 40 or 50 times in the Old Testament as someone called the angel of the Lord. So when you're studying your Bibles and you come to this, the angel of the Lord, not an angel, because there are an angels. There's Michael, there's Gabriel, but this is the angel. The angel of the Lord is normally 
And I would think I could perhaps say all the time, a reference to the second person of the Trinity. Okay? So those are the first two in, in, in that verse one. You see, now there's one more in there. There's one more in verse one. And who might that be? Oh, his name is Satan. Standing at his right hand to accuse him. Standing at whose right hand? Well, that'd be Joshua's. And what is Satan up to? He's accusing. He does that well, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's the, that's his stock in trade. He loves to accuse. And so here you got a Satan accusing Joshua, the high priest, with the second person of the Trinity right there. Now, let's pause right here and, and let's kind of summarize. Now think with me, ladies and gentlemen. What kind of scene are you looking at? What does this strike you as? I mean, as you step back and kind of, kind of look at it from, uh, with a panoramic view, what kind of event are you watching? What, what kind of event is unfolding before you in this passage? That's right. It's a courtroom setting. It's a courtroom scene. And, and you get more indications of that courtroom scene in verse 2. Because verse 2 says, And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you. Now, first of all, folks, who is this Lord? Who is that? Well, let me show you something that I've showed you before. Keep your finger in Zechariah 3 and find Psalm 110 real fast. Come on, we got to move faster. Psalm 110. Psalm 110 is the most often quoted psalm in the New Testament. Did you know that? Psalm 110. Look at the first line of Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord. You see that? In those six words, the Lord is mentioned twice. You see it? But they're different. Look at them. Look at those two lords in Psalm 110.1. They're different. How are they different? Well, one is capitalized and the other is all caps. Do you see that in Psalm 110.1? Two lords, one's capitalized and one's... What does that mean? Well, that means, ladies and gentlemen, that there are two different Hebrew words being translated there. And when you find Lord... In all caps, like you do the first Lord, in all caps, that is translating the Hebrew tetragrammaton Yahweh. yod Hey vav Hey Yahweh. When you find the word Lord in the Old Testament in all caps, it is translating the self-given name of God, Yahweh. Now, this other Lord is a different Hebrew word. But my point is, go back over to Zechariah chapter 3, and you come to verse 2, and it says, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. Now, look at it. Look at that word, Lord. Ah, it's all caps. That's the word, that's the Hebrew word, Yahweh. Now, what do you got? Oh, we got four people in this scene. We got Joshua, the accused party. We've got Satan, the prosecuting attorney. Then we've got the angel of the Lord, the second person of the Trinity, and he's the defense attorney. And then you've got Yahweh, the judge, 
the judge who is sitting behind his desk and listening to this case against Joshua. And Satan accuses, accuses, accuses. Now stop right there with me, ladies and gentlemen. If Satan is accusing the high priest, the big kahuna, the top dog, the very best that religion has to offer. If Satan is accusing him, what does that have to say about us? Ooh. I mean, if there are accusations that can be made about Billy... What do you think it would be said about Jimmy? It wouldn't look as good. Now, but the first person of the Trinity in verse 2 steps in and says, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. And notice what he says. Is this not one of mine? One of the brands plucked from the fire? You leave him alone. You leave him alone. He's one of mine. And then we come, gosh, to verse 3, where you get this wonderfully illustrative statement. Now, Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. Now, what's all that about? (laughs) It's pretty clear, don't you think? Filthy garments. You know, the Bible mentions that a couple of times. Your works are as filthy garments. It's like you're dressed in rags and tatters. It's a reference, ladies and gentlemen, to sin. And you're going to see that in verse 4. It's very clearly pointed out in verse 4. But there's Joshua, the high priest, standing in front of God and ill-equipped to be there. He's not worthy to be standing there. No sirree, Bobby. He is not in good shape, ladies and gentlemen. And again, I say... If the high priest can't stand there, whoa, what does that say about us? I mean, if Billy Graham is going to have trouble, if Mother Teresa is going to have trouble, what about us? Now, guys, I hope you haven't closed your Bibles yet because verse 4, verse 4, things are a little bit more difficult Because the antecedents of the pronouns aren't exactly clear, but the message is crystal clear. Look at verse 4. And the angel, that would be, of course, the angel of the Lord, said to those who were standing before him, said to some of those others occupying the room, he says this. Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him, that is to Joshua, the angel of the Lord said... Behold, I have taken your iniquity. See, I told you those filthy garments has to do with his sin. Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you. uh, And I will clothe you with pure vestments. Guys, don't miss that. Don't miss the action of verse 4. You must not. The angel of the Lord steps forward and says, I recognize that Joshua is ill-prepared to be standing here. He's got filthy garments on. And so he says, the angel of the Lord says, get rid of those and replace them 
with pure vestments. Hey, guys, have you ever heard this before? There's a song that we use. We don't sing it around here, and it's a good song. Um, and it goes like, my Lord has garments so wondrous fine. Have you ever heard that song? Have you ever heard the reference to the robes of Christ's righteousness? That is what is taking place in verse 4, ladies and gentlemen. The second person of the Trinity, recognizing that Joshua is quite ill-prepared to be standing there, says, Take off those filthy things and replace them with something that I will provide for him. Do you see it? Guys, in theological terms, this is what we call the imputed righteousness of Christ. That is, Joshua gets equipment to stand in the presence of God, not by anything that he did, But it's as a result of something that the angel of the Lord does and provides for him. I want you to notice, ladies and gentlemen, Joshua, never once in this passage do you ever see anyone, including Joshua, never do you see Joshua saying, "Could could I speak on my behalf, please? I mean, could I have a word with the, ju- with the judge for a moment? Because there's a lot of things that I want to point out about how righteous I am. Never does Joshua open his mouth. No one ever says, oh, Satan is wrong here. That bad boy, Satan, he's up to it again. You got to stop doing that, Satan. Bad, bad Satan, because this is the high priest. Don't you recognize who this? This is the high priest. Nobody ever seeks to deny the fact that he is guilty. You know why? No No one ever seeks to deny the fact. Because it's true. The high priest is guilty. And so are you. So am I. Ladies and gentlemen, in and of myself, I will never have anything on other than filthy garments. Notice, ladies and gentlemen, notice in verse 4, Joshua doesn't say, Hey, y'all, y'all, this is not a good situation here. I need to get rid of this stuff and somebody needs to give me some clean stuff. No. No, it's the angel of the Lord who says that. The The second person of the Trinity says, Hey, get that off of him and replace it. Replace it with something that I will provide. And then verse 5. And I said, now that, that, that I right there is very difficult to identify. I, I would suggest to you that it's the first person of the Trinity, but it may be the second person of the Trinity, but it doesn't change the meaning at all. Whatever one you like is okay with me. But I would say that it is God the Father resuming his speech, and he says, 
Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. The angel of the Lord is standing by to approve all that's going on in front of him. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know what you have just seen? You have just seen an enacted portrayal of the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Here it is. Justification is a declarative act by which God the Father declares the guilty sinner not guilty based on the merits of someone else. That is, okay, Joshua, here's the remedy for your problem. It's something that the angel of the Lord will give you. In fact, Joshua, the only hope you've got, big boy, is that something is given to you that belongs to the angel of the Lord. Joshua's escape is a legal process and he is legally absolved from all of his guilt and shame. He is no longer the object of the wrath of God. Why? Because the angel of the Lord gave to him something that belonged to him, the angel of the Lord. And now Joshua stands clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the father, acting as a judge, says... Based on the merits of my son and all that he has done, I declare this guilty man not guilty. So leave him alone, Satan. He's one of mine. He's a brand plucked from the fire. Ladies and gentlemen, he didn't pluck himself from the fire. A divine hand reached into that torment and took the pain and the suffering and pulled him out and then gave him something that belonged to the angel of the Lord. (laughs) Do you see it? Brother and sister, do you see it? There's several reasons why I wanted to do that. Not not, not this particular strategy, but to show you this or to do this four-week series because, guys, we've got to get this right. And there's lots of reasons. Let me finish with two and I'm done. If you do not... Number one, 
If you do not grasp the doctrine of justification by faith alone, you are in for some very scary times emotionally. Why is that, Jimmy? I'll tell you why, ladies and gentlemen. Because Satan is an accuser. And he's got a lot of stuff to accuse us about, doesn't he? Oh, we've given him lots of ammunition to take into the courtroom of God. We have done so much stuff that he can sit there and talk for the rest of eternity and not get done, haven't we? And then, and then particularly in one of those moments of spiritual collapse, excuse me, moral collapse, in one of those moral lapses that we're so famous for. There we are lying in bed one night in the midst of our moral collapse. Can't sleep. His fangs seem bigger and his nails seem to sink deeper as he accuses Look what you've done. How can you call yourself a Christian after having done that? And we did do that. And those of you who understand the doctrine of justification by faith, can meet his accusations this way. Satan, shut up! I am a brand plucked from the fire. And I stand in the presence of God not based on my own righteousness. I stand there based on on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You're right, Satan. I did do that. And I am ashamed and sorry that I did it. But it doesn't change the fact. That I am a brand. That God saw fit to pluck from the fire. If you do not get the doctrine of justification by faith, down pat, you will be facing some awfully scary emotional times as Satan does his tap dance all over your soul. Secondly, and I'm done, the other reason that I want you to get it down is because this is the gospel. The gospel is a declaration of the righteousness of God in that God declares guilty people not guilty based on the merits of Jesus Jesus Christ imputed to that guilty sinner. I am saved, ladies and gentlemen, not because I have faith, I am saved because Jesus Christ has given me a whole new wardrobe.
I am no longer clothed in filthy garments. I'm clothed in his pure vestments. Wicked, you better believe I am. I am nothing but a brand plucked from the fire. But I am safe. Because God has declared me based on the righteousness of his son. He has declared me. see it because if you do nothing nothing is more beautiful than that gospel our father I do pray that you will use this different strategy to communicate to your people as clearly as I can possibly do it what what the gospel is, all about you, a gospel of pure grace, a gospel by grace alone, without any merit of mine, by Christ alone, without any of my good works, through faith alone, with no additions, for your glory alone, O God. Might that gospel be the song that erupts from our souls? Might it be the assurance and the peace that we have in the night when the great accuser of our souls reminds us how guilty we are? We are. And yet, oh God, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And because we are forever safe. It is my privilege, O oh God, to do my best to explain it. Would you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, make it clear? For Jesus' sake, in his name we pray.